0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Surveillance Report 83. If you are here for the simple login ProtonMail story, you are in the right place, but I need to give a really quick preamble to the introduction. So what you are about to see is the episode that Henry and I recorded together in person at Monerotopia. We recorded it Thursday night after the conference. Go figure, the very next day, the simple login proton mail story broke, and we both agreed that it was a really important story that's worth sharing and not putting off until next week's surveillance report. Unfortunately, given that we had already recorded the podcast, Henry is currently busy out making the world a more private and secure place, so he's not here at this exact moment. So I just wanted to let you guys know what you are about to see and or hear, depending on where you are viewing and or listening, is the podcast that we promised and recorded. At the beginning of the highlight stories, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in with this simple login story And then from there, things will continue on as normal. I also just want to go ahead and take this opportunity while we're here to point out, this was recorded out of our usual element. We had only the gear that we could fit to bring in the plane with us. So the audio video may not be quite as great as you're used to, but I think it's still pretty good. And I think you guys will enjoy it. So without further ado, here is that episode and I will see you in a few minutes to cover this story. Europe is building an international facial recognition system The Trezor data breach, quote-unquote Trezor data breach. A bunch of Android stories, particularly an interesting Android vulnerability. Google Play is removing some old apps and much, much more. Welcome to Surveillance Report 83, the first Surveillance Report with Henry and I together in the same room since we are at Monerotopia. (laughs) As you can hear, we have team members in the background who have permission to comment along the way if they so choose to use this privilege, which it sounds like they are this report will recap some of the most notable privacy and security events in the last week. I am the sunburned Nathan from The New Oil. And I am the, I don't think, very sunburned Henry from Tech Now you look alright. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're gonna remind you guys both of our current existing ways to support us, which are currently Monero and Patreon. Monero, of course, is a privacy coin, best way to pay, it's basically digital cash. And Patreon, we currently have one tier, it's $10 a month, and it gives you access to our show notes it gives you access to a ad free rss feed so if you were listening on patreon you would already be listening to the story by now and um some other things that i think I'm forgetting.
1: (laughs) yeah we're tired the trip's been a long trip and (sighs) we're at the very end of it so recording this after the whole day i think the last thing is ad free videos as well so we get rid of these segments for all of you okay um so for those (laughs) of you who don't like the segments you can just get the straight content and that's just 10 bucks a month which again inflation oh man (laughs) That's like not even two coffees, like... (laughs) You're exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. A little bit. Anyways, yeah,
0: check that out for sure. And for those of you who have already donated and signed up, thank you so, so much. We appreciate it immensely. We've seen
1: each of you because there's not many of you yet, so we see all of you right now.
0: So our actual highlight story, I guess we're gonna go ahead and have two this week because, you know, what can you do? Our actual highlight story there's two blog posts, and it says Simple Login joins the Proton family. That's one of them. And the other one says Proton and Simple Login are joining forces. As the first headline says, Simple Login has joined Proton Mail. What exactly this means is a little unclear. Uh, we don't know if they are a subsidiary, for example, or if they're just some kind of contractual agreement. But here's what we do know. First of all, both of these blog posts have adamantly insisted that simple login will continue to operate autonomously and it will continue to work with all providers. So if you're using like Tutanota or C Templar or whatever and simple login, don't panic. It will still work. You're not losing anything. What this does mean, however, is that Simple Login will now have access to Proton's resources as needed for things like infrastructure, knowledge, and development. So hopefully, we will see leaps and bounds of growth. Over the next few months in simple logins development simple login has said that they will also take advantage of protons quote anti-abuse and anti-spam technologies so i could see a world where that causes a little bit of unforeseen problems depending on what exactly that means for example uh it could signal that there could be issues signing up in the future under certain circumstances or possibly even issues with the email addresses being accepted which if you use simple login you probably run into that once or twice anyways already That's just kind of how this constant cat and mouse of privacy and people trying to defeat privacy goes, unfortunately. Proton has said that it will also integrate simple login into their platform. It's unclear exactly what this will look like, but I'd imagine it may be something in the settings that allows you to create aliases on the fly. Truthfully, I do wish Henry were here to give his comments on this, but I think we can both agree that this is, optimistically, probably a pretty cool thing. I don't think it's going to adversely affect most people, and I think if anything, it will allow Proton users to have a more streamlined experience this is just speculation obviously we're going to wait and see what happens having said that uh, I like some of you I'm sure immediately had some concerns about centralization and companies becoming too powerful and Proton is already I don't think this is necessarily bad but just to be totally honest Proton is already a company that's trying very hard to to become that all-in-one Google replacement you know they've got Proton Mail, of course, Proton VPN, and now they've got Proton Drive and contacts and calendar, and now simple login. And for the record, I don't think that's nefarious. If you believe Proton's a honeypot, fine, whatever. Truthfully, I don't know why you're listening to us if you think that because we don't, and we're just going to infuriate you. But having said that, the point is, I don't think it's nefarious, but. I do still think it is a risk to put all your eggs in one basket like that. So uh, I will be honest, I'm a ProtonMail user and I am a simple login user. And this makes me a little uneasy that that everything's now centralized or or at least under one roof, potentially. So I don't think this is necessarily at this time. This is necessarily something to worry about, but it is something that moves the needle a little bit. It's something that we do want to keep an eye on. And I just wanted to be clear that I don't think this is all rainbows and butterflies and sunshine this is could have potential downsides that are worth talking about but at this point i don't think these are huge downsides i don't think this is anything that we all need to freak out and run for the hills so as this partnership develops and as we learn more about exactly what is going to change. We will, of course, keep you updated. So with that said, we will go back to the Topia podcast, which I hope you guys are enjoying and will continue to enjoy to the end. Europe is building a huge international facial recognition system. Like many places, Europe already has an existing database for law enforcement use, which includes things like fingerprints, DNA data, and vehicle owner data. They are now basically adding faces to that system this system will allow cooperation between countries, but if I understood the article correctly, it's not gonna be direct data sharing, so they won't be able to just like, for example, Spain can't just hop into France's system and start looking up faces, they're still gonna to have to like request that France Look this person up and send back the data. So this system will allow retrospective facial recognition, which is it's a little bit different than the kind that we normally worry about. Retrospective will allow mugshots to be compared to CCTV, social media, and other existing photos. It's not like they're going to set up new cameras 24/7 to monitor everybody. At least not at this not at this time. And a human is supposed to review the matches before making an arrest. But color me cynical. Uh, Here in the US, at least, we don't have a very good track record of actually doing that. There are, of course, other privacy concerns, like where these photos are going to be sourced from. For example, can they use uh, people whose mugshots have been taken, but they haven't necessarily been convicted or charged with a crime? There's also concerns about the centralization of all this data in one place and
1: things like that. And on that note, we're going to migrate over to data breaches, and we're going to start with a fake Trezor data breach, which is why I put it in quotes for those of you watching the video um, at the very beginning which was used to steal cryptocurrency wallets. So the popular hardware crypto wallet, which is Trezor, for those who don't know, uses MailChimp for their mailing lists. It turns out that MailChimp had a data breach, which resulted in phishing emails being sent out to owners informing them of a, quote, breach at Trezor and asking them to download the Trezor Suite software to reset their pins. Even, get this, so we're at Monerotopia, and we got to see Seth for Privacy, for those who don't know. He runs the Opt Out podcast, and he posts a lot of good stuff. He nearly fell for this. He actually was part of this, and he almost fell for it, and he tweeted about how he almost fell for this phishing attempt. So the bigger lesson here, outside of these being a very common crypto thing that happens, I also get these myself, but also anyone can fall for this kind of stuff, and no one is immune to phishing. So you always need to be alert, because no matter how good you are, even the best of us, we can fall for phishing. And also good on Seth for coming forward and saying that, because we live in a privacy community (laughs) where if you admit any wrongdoing, you're like just burned off the face of the earth
0: how dare you be human <laughs> our next data breach is coming from cash app who has confirmed that they had a breach after a former employee accessed u.s customer data and all the sysadmins in the audience are cringing right now so uh this was again the result of a former employee who downloaded reports containing quote some u.s customer information this appears to be a case of failing to revoke permissions after somebody was terminated cash App actually did not comment on like how long that particular person had been terminated like was it a day was it a week was it six months the data includes full names brokerage account numbers brokerage values holdings and one day's worth of stock trading activity they did not say how many people were affected but they did say that they were contacting about 8.2 million current and former customers so draw conclusions from that
1: And that's going to end our data breaches for the week. We're going to migrate over into the company news, and we're going to start with the Android side of things. So the Play Store will soon hide old applications in the name of security. So currently, Google requires that new apps and app updates target an API no more than one version behind the latest. But there's tons of old apps that have gone unupdated for years now. So Google won't remove those apps from the Play Store, but you probably won't see them as often in the results. Later this year, apps that are more than two API versions behind will no longer be installable or even appear in the search at all. Google says that most apps in the store abide by these standards and will be unaffected. And this does not affect apps you've already downloaded or paid for. I don't think this is a a bad thing. It's good for security. And if you ever want to somehow, for any reason, install an older version of an APK for an app, you can still always do that via third-party methods. If you want something to do that, the EFF, I think, has a CLI tool now to download things directly from the Google Play Store. I think you're right.
0: You marked most oh. of these stories as yourself. Did you want me to take oh. Microsoft?
1: I'd rather what you take Clearview. Okay. I so, don't uh, just wanting to like, you know, run the show himself. No, he has more, he has more later. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> well, Narcissist. That's, that's Jonah's thing. You're probably just <laughs> messing with the <him>, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but we've established he doesn't talk. Yeah,
1: Jonah doesn't, Jonah doesn't say anything unless he's trolling me in the Discord room. Yeah, I'm too busy. <laughs> I just wanted to be noted. I'm keeping all of that in. <laughs> so moving on, Microsoft has announced new Windows 11 security encryption features. Now I know some of you are like, oh, <laughs> security on Microsoft Windows, and you're like laughing behind your screens. But like, let's take this seriously because improvements are still improvements, and we know there's still problems on the platform. But let's talk about them. So Microsoft is roll. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: I I was just going to say, truthfully, I think Windows 11, from what I've heard, actually has really good security. Like, privacy, obviously, is out the window, but I've heard it actually has pretty good
1: security. A lot of people praise Windows for its security, and... They've come a long way. We're not saying that! (laughs) We're not saying that! We're saying other people say that, so don't get mad at us in the comments. So wait, so wait, I should get rid of cubes and daily drive Windows? Yes, exactly. Fake advocates. Terrible. So, Microsoft is rolling out even more security improvements for Windows 11 to offer better encryption block malicious apps and drivers, and enhance phishing protection. So the phishing protection will occur via Smart Screen, which is what they previously used to scan things for malware and other malicious activities. And there will be encryption enabled whenever the computer is locked, though it uses Windows Hello, which is a little unfortunate. And the malicious app driver list will be a set list. This appears to be mainly aimed at enterprise users, but most of it will probably one day roll down to personal users. It's the one place where trickle-down economics seems to. Be legit.
0: To be fair, like a lot of uh, a lot of these vulnerabilities seem to start at the enterprise level. It seems to me. So, I mean, I guess starting with enterprise users is a pretty good step.
1: Yeah. And our second Microsoft story: Windows auto patch is coming soon. And here's what you need to know. That's the title. I, I, I'm not really going to give you everything you need to know, but I'll <laughs> give you a TLDR of what you need to know. And it's only for enterprise customers. It will auto patch the monthly Patch Tuesday. For those who don't know, Microsoft does a, a Patch Tuesday for their security updates. And it begins July 2022, and it applies to both Windows 10 and 11, and it requires Azure Active Directory. This is a win for those organizations, and again, automatic updates are key. We definitely are a big proponent of automatic updates, and if you don't get on automatic updates, you better be manually updating pretty darn frequently to catch up with all these exploits that we cover literally every week.
0: All right, our next story is coming from Clearview AI, and you guys can... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you guys can already tell this is gonna be an awesome story how they're like ending world hunger and Anyways, so unfortunately they are looking to compete with Amazon and Microsoft's facial recognition (laughs) programs by expanding outside of law enforcement Clearview in case you were not aware at this point in time basically only works with law enforcement But now they're looking to branch out and work with like building security ID checks, hotels, banks, gig workers, and pretty much anybody who's willing to pay them
1: I'm pretty excited about this
0: Jonah is willing to pay them.
1: (laughs) So so messed
0: up. Okay. (laughs) Good lord.
1: (laughs) All
0: right, I'm good. Okay, so this will allegedly be consent based, although of course they didn't. Oh, so true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> of course they didn't explain what that meant. That was just kind of a buzzword they threw around. And uh, interestingly, they said that this is not going to use their existing database of publicly scraped images. So, for those of you who don't know, that's actually what Clearview AI initially came under fire for. Is they just scrape images from like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Flickr, like literally anywhere that has an image, and that's how they built their database. I'm a little bit curious what they're gonna build this database off of, but they said that original database is only for police use. So we'll wait to hear more about this, but um, interesting
1: stuff, I guess. I-, I wanna highlight too, they're saying they're looking to compete with Amazon and Microsoft, and I feel like they've been doing a good job of like flying under the radar, but it's worth mentioning that. Amazon and Microsoft are both the giant proponents of facial recognition, and they're constantly working on this stuff too. So Clearview AI, for some re, I know why, but they really make headlines. But we don't hear much about Amazon and Microsoft, but they do this stuff too. And okay. before they fold and go back to using the original database for literally. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Because I don't see
0: what else are they gonna build it from, especially if it's consent based. Like,
1: yeah, let me take a selfie and send that to Clearview. <laughs> Not. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go. Mo- I just realized I have all the transitions. This at least. This year. <laughs> oh, you have politics, though. Okay, so hey. we're now going to migrate over to research, and this is a pretty good one. So researchers have uncovered a hardware security vulnerability on Android phones. I'm going to quote the study here. So, excuse me for not <coughs> looking at you, fabulous viewers, for those watching the video. So a recent study by scientists showed that the graphics processing unit, or the GPU, in some Android smartphones can be used to eavesdrop on a user's credentials when the user enters credentials using the smartphone's on-screen keyboard. The discovered hardware security vulnerability poses a far greater threat to a user's sensitive identities than previous attacks that can only infer infer a user's general activities, such as the website visited or the length of the password entered. The team reported the breach to Google and Qualcomm, and Google noted that it will release a security patch for Android at the end of this year. (laughs) So... Um, A few things to unpack here. First, a lot, not to downplay the severity of these vulnerabilities, but a lot of these vulnerabilities aren't things that you likely have to worry about on a day-to-day basis. They're very targeted things. And also, this goes both ways. So this was an iOS exploit. People would probably leave comments in the description saying this is why you don't use iOS. That's a very simplistic look at security, and we're not doing that with Android either. This is a vulnerability that affects Android, and they're working on a patch. And this is why we think the best thing to do is to always have automatic updates so you get patches for these things ASAP. I am a little concerned why they said this would be fixed at the end of the year though. It's, it's April. <laughs> what's, what's the end of the year? How do you, December how, 31st. How, but how do they predict <laughs> that even? Like, they're like, oh yeah, two quarters from now we're gonna get this patched up. <laughs> I don't know. Priorities.
0: To play devil's advocate, they're usually pretty quick about patching things, so maybe it's just really that complex. But then then I also feel like maybe the researchers shouldn't have released the paper if it's that complex. Like maybe give them time to patch it up? I don't know. Yeah. it's It's a good question for sure. I agree. With that, we're going to transition into our politics section. And for the first time in forever, this is not like 12 stories, so... Nice! <laughs> right? Our vocal cords are happy. We're gonna start off though in the US, where the FBI has purchased 5,000 licenses for the Babel X social media OSINT tool. Open source intelligence is basically, you know, checking people's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, just anything that's publicly available. This is going to be provided by Pan America Computers out of Virginia. And the article says Babel X is a text analytics platform that allows users to search multiple online media websites and search by location. The company behind Babel X is led by a former White House aide and intelligence officer from the DOD. So everything's above board there. So you got to understand a a lot of what I'm about to read off now comes from uh, the FBI's. Basically, they put out an ad saying we're looking for a tool. Here's our requirements. Here's what we're willing to pay and stuff. So we're not necessarily saying this is what Babel X can do, but we are saying this is what the requirements were. So keep that in mind. The FBI said they were willing to spend up to twenty seven million dollars. And it needs to be able to search Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, the deep and dark web, VK, which is like the Russian version of Facebook. I don't know how they're going to access it with Russian splintering off, but whatever. And Telegram. It would also be a bonus, but is not mandatory, if it can search Snapchat, TikTok, Reddit, Aikun, Gab, Parler, AskFM, which that one kind of struck me as weird, Weibo, Weibo, I don't know how that's pronounced, Discord, and quote, other encrypted messaging platforms. Data is to be stored with the vendor before being exported to the FBI and can, quote, continuously monitor sources. I'm going to go ahead and uh, quote the article here on the very last paragraph. The FBI's Directorate of Intelligence is in the process of developing a comprehensive strategy that matches the social media exploitation needs of the agency's workforce and mission, according to the procurement documents, unquote. So um, if I understood that correctly, I think that means that once again, the government is has found the solution and is now looking for the problem. So uh that's just worth knowing. That's where your taxpayer dollars are going is to, you know, spy on people on Discord and LinkedIn and VK for something. We'll we'll figure out what later.
1: And Telegram.
0: And Telegram. Super
1: secure. I don't understand why people use Telegram. We get we get so many comments from, from a lot like a lot of I don't know more on the Techler channel and the Surveillance Port channel, but a lot of people are like, why ill telegram? And it's like because notice,
0: notice what's missing from this list: signal, matrix, think, session, things,
1: things the end-to-end encryption. Things by default. that are actually encrypted. <laughs> yeah. For the record, if you use Telegram with secret chats with all of your contacts, you're you're pretty well off. But the fact that's not a default is pretty bad. We're gonna. I think it's Dwyer. I just like to pronounce it wrong and let people correct Dwyer. it in the comments. Oh, yeah, I got it. Dwyer. Dwyer. Great. Alright, so Ireland's retention of Dwyer phone data breaches EU law. Just so you know, if you go in our show notes, we leave the sources for everything, because you shouldn't take our word for everything. This is a VPN hostile site. Tor seems to work fine on at least some Tor nodes, apparently. So just so you know, if you have access if you have trouble accessing the site, they do some IP blocking. But pretty much the story is: Graham Dwyer is convicted of murdering Elaine O'Hara O'Hara in August 2021 in Ireland. However, the evidence used to convict I think that was 2012, sorry. Also another typo. (laughs) I I took these notes during the conference. Well, I'm going to start from there, so you have to... It's just going to be a weird cut. Oh, 2012? You sure it's 2012? I think so. God damn it, fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going to make me go check it,
1: and, you know... I'm just messing around. I'll start over.
0: It's not going to work, because I'm on a VPN here. Control, click.
1: So, Graham Dwyer is convicted of murdering Elaine O'Hara in August 2022 in Ireland. 12. So it was 2012. I you were joking.
0: No, I'm serious. It's, it was a typo on my end.
1: August, August 2012. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay. Graham Dwyer is convicted of murdering Elaine O'Hara in August 2012 in Ireland. However, the evidence used to convict him came from Ireland's, quote, system of retaining and accessing mobile phone metadata, end quote, which a top European court has ruled breaches EU law. EU law EU. I told you. So during the conference. So I, I did say EU law, so you, you lost.: You did, you did. yeah, okay. you're fine.: So his conviction actually might be overturned because of this. So from what we can tell, this mainly rests on the idea that the crime wasn't serious enough to warrant national security clauses, but we're not sure if we read that right, because like he, he like murdered someone, <laughs> apparently, So I don't know what necessarily constitutes a national security clause, but either way, I think this outlines, like it's interesting to see that they actually might overturn something because they didn't actually conduct things the way you're supposed to, and I don't think that would necessarily... Do you think that'd fly in the U.S.? To be fair, that is exactly how the U.S.
0: system is. If they rule, like, you know, the evidence that was obtained was obtained without a warrant, they'll overturn the whole conviction. Mm. Because, you know, so... I don't know, the article was really heavy on the legal wording, it was kind of hard to make sense of, but... Lawyers. Um, oh, freaking lawyers, now they're writing for news outlets that I've never heard of. No wonder they don't
1: accept IP addresses. <laughs> oh,
0: lawyers are gotta, 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 we gotta... we gotta block these VPNs. <laughs> Criminals are using them. And our last political story is going to come out of India, and it says, Is the government seeking Adhar use for... NBFC's Against Supreme Court Ruling. I forgot to make a note of what NBFC stands for, but I will describe it in a moment. So the Reserve Bank of India, the Unique Identity Authentication Authority of India, and the National Payment Corporation of India are discussing whether or not they should allow financial institutions to access ADHAR, which is the de facto uh, national ID of India, for data when making decisions on things like insurance, lending, and currency exchange, uh, which is what NBFC refers to. It kind of covers all that sort of stuff. This mainly appears to be a KYC attempt, know your customer, which is, uh, those of us in America are super familiar with KYC. You go to sign up for literally anything that has to do with money, and they want like your ID, and your name, and your date of birth, and your social, and your mother's maiden name, and your dog's maiden name, and everything under the sun, including the kitchen sink. So. And uh, your first, you know, your firstborn. Yeah, uh, rights to your firstborn child, you name it. <laughs> so, uh, the thing that makes this really interesting is that this actually goes against a legal ruling from the Supreme Court back in 2018. So, uh, this is, of course, very troubling for privacy, but uh, we'll see how it shakes out, because th- apparently they've got to somehow figure out how to do this without violating the Supreme Court ruling. And, uh, I, I, personally, I hope it gets thrown out, and I'm sure all our Indian viewers agree with us. So, we'll keep you updated if we learn more about that. i got the next one, too. Dope.
1: I get to do an introduction. You got politics, too, I think.
0: Oh, I did, didn't I?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. With that, we will move into free and open-source software, our FOSS news, and we're going to start out with some really exciting news from the Brave browser. Love them or hate them, they are doing really cool things in the privacy space. With this latest change, they are going to protect against browser language fingerprinting. This is starting in version 1.39, and uh, if you've ever used any of those browser fingerprinting uh, websites, you'll notice that one of the points of data they use to fingerprint you is your browser language. So. Again, starting at 1.39, they're going to randomize your language. This should not affect your actual browsing experience. It's not like you're actually going to load the website. It's going to be in, like, German or Portuguese or some language you don't speak. But uh, the header information that they send back to the website will be randomized. So the, the article goes really in-depth, but also, like, in plain English. It's really good. I totally recommend you read it. Uh, even if you don't use Brave, you'll learn a lot about like English tracking and font tracking and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely check that out for more information. Super cool.
1: Up next, really quick one, DNS over HTTPS or <coughs> DOH. Support is now on Mac OS, Linux, and Windows. For IVPN, I assume is that IVPN. Okay, it wasn't. I just assumed. So that's for IVPN. So this is um, for custom DOH, like Quad 9 or NextDNS or anything you want inside those clients. So that's very exciting if you want to use DNS over HTTPS with IVPN for IVPN subscribers, which as of right now is like one of the only four VPNs we even seriously recommend to people from a privacy perspective. For those curious with the other three words, Mullvad, Windscribe, and Proton. I thought it was a no, yes, April first is over. <laughs> so true.
0: For the record, though, if you guys missed that, totally got to watch that video or read the blog post or both. Absolutely hilarious. The video is really
1: good. Dude, the blog post was great too. <laughs> yeah, I was crying laughing. I love. So good. What was the character? Um, the character in the video. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, military encryption. Oh, DJ military grade encryption. So good. That was good. Yeah, check that out and on the topic of ivpn they actually just conducted a security audit i do not believe that's their first one but it's their 2022 security audit and it just came in i was reading this and so cure 53 does a lot of these audits for these vpn companies and all i thought is like man cure 53 must be raking in so much money because they're doing these audits for all these vpn companies constantly so i'm just like wow like cure 53 has really like made a name for themselves because at this point like all the top vpns feel pressured to get audits just wanted to be noted the way you led with that i thought you were going to be like but it turns out no they're a
0: non-profit
1: who does this for free or something oh i mean they might i don't know anything about cure 53 and i know they actually post some things on (coughs) github some open source things i don't know anything about them i just assume that it costs money to do an audit and i assume they make a lot of money from that fair but they found eight vulnerabilities one high six medium and one was an info informational yeah sorry there we go just so you know, there, these vulnerabilities are normally good to catch. Just because it has vulnerabilities doesn't mean it's a bad service. If they do an audit on really any VPN, they're probably going to find something. The good thing is they caught these vulnerabilities before someone else can actually abuse the vulnerabilities. So it's always a really good thing. I think um, it's, it's real quick to piggyback on that, I think it's kind of like proofreading. doesn't mean the paper's bad, it just
0: means there's a little thing you missed, so.
1: Yeah. So these are good. There's a lot of these and like, we have notes for all the different vulnerabilities and the different things they do. Honestly, I recommend just checking out yourself. They actually publish the whole report on like some VPNs that don't publish the whole thing. So you can go ahead and read into this. Um, Really the main takeaway here, this is just a data point on iVPN as well as other VPN providers, right? Like if something's open source, that's a data point that it is more transparent and they're looking to go out of their way to protect you. They're doing audits, which is another data point. Um, they're publishing their logging policies and being very firm about what they do and don't collect. They're being honest. They have a they have a public team. These are all things that just add to the trust of a VPN, which is ultimately what you're doing when you're using a VPN provider. So it's always good when we see things like this.
0: All right, our next story comes from ProtonMail, who has added a new domain, proton.me. In their blog post, they kind of marketed this as like this is an easy way for you to hand out a new email address to people. You know, instead of protonmail.com, it's proton.me. But the reason that I kind of zeroed in on this is this is a new domain, so possibly this domain has not been blocked at a lot of places. Personally, I have not run into that issue, but I know a lot of people have reported that uh, ProtonMail is blocked in some places. So if you are a person who has had a lot of issues with Proton being blocked, this could possibly be a, a new domain that you could try out, so. And as an added bonus, it shouldn't count against your your total uh, email addresses. Like, I with my paid plan, I get five addresses, I use all five. When I logged in, it prompted me like, hey, do you want to activate this address? And I did it, and now I have six. And it didn't charge me more, it didn't deactivate one of them, so... It's unclear at this time if this is just for paid users or all users. The blog post makes it sound like it's everybody, but some people in my matrix room reported that they haven't gotten it yet, so maybe... It's just taking time to roll out to them. But yeah, anyways, if you're having trouble and things get blocked, check into that. That could be a possible solution. And our final story, this is a real quick one. It comes from Nextcloud. It says, city of Geneva deploying Nextcloud to achieve digital sovereignty. The city of Geneva, Switzerland has been using OwnCloud, or at least some of their government agencies, I don't know if all of them, have been using OwnCloud to manage their own data. They have migrated to NextCloud for security reasons. I, I think the real takeaway from this is just to show the value of owning your own data. I mean, governments are doing it and uh, it's just really important to be able to own your own data. So some people can't host NextCloud, maybe you don't have the devices or the funds or the technical know-how, I respect that, but just always look out for those opportunities to keep things on your device.
1: It's a great way to not end up in our data breaches section at the start of the show. Isn't it so hypocritical how governments are always looking for like data security for their own shit, but they don't want all end users to like, they don't want end users to not use Google and all these other cloud providers, because they want access to everyone else's files. That was like one of my favorite moments earlier today, when uh, Phil Zimmerman,
0: somebody asked him of a, I, I missed the actual question, but it was something to the effect of like Monero and governments and states, and he was basically just like, I don't care if the government has privacy and payments. They shouldn't. They're governments. They should be transparent. I'm just like, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, um, Bill Zimmerman uh, pretty much invented PGP and he yeah. was at the talk today at MoneroTopia. So. Yeah, he, he promoted it. It was really cool.
0: So that was all of our news for this report. We talked about Europe building the international facial recognition system, which uh, if you are an EU citizen, as, as always, we recommend you reach out to your politicians. The uh, quote-unquote Trezor data breach, a uh, bunch of Android, uh, an Android vulnerability, Google Play removing some old apps. There was a lot to this week. Still kind of a lighter week, but also just a lot of good stuff. Good stuff we're talking about. So we want to remind you guys, there's currently two ways to support us. There is a Patreon, $10 a month. You get show notes, you get ad-free audio, ad-free video.
1: You get a, oh, the Q&A. That was the one I forgot. So uh, We haven't done a Q&A yet, so we don't have it this week. We're busy with traveling, but we will get that Q&A going ASAP. Yeah, definitely, because I am, personally, I'm looking forward to the questions you guys are going to ask. So we also uh, only have three patrons, so come on, let's get more people so we can have a QA and a to actually choose from different questions. Yes, because yeah, we pick the questions,
0: so yeah. I, the more people in there, we're, there's bound to be some good questions in there, and, you know, people ask good questions,
1: they leave good comments, so... I yeah, some leave great comments, and we'd love to answer some of them, but... Just don't ask about <laughs> opera. <laughs> 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 no opera. <laughs>
0: And of course, if you don't want to use Patreon, we totally respect that. There's Monero, and that is a great way to support us. Obviously, we're coming out of Topia, so we're totally believers in that. With that, we want to thank you for listening to the Surveillance Report. We are happy to know that you guys are trying to stay safe out there. The final thing, as always, we want to ask you, share the podcast around. You know, uh, make sure that you're subscribed, especially here on the new channel. We're still trying to build up the numbers here. Um, Give us a rating if you're listening on a platform that allows for that and uh, let you know let people know and as always if there's a story that you think might interest someone you know go ahead and share it that's the best way to get people to listen so we're trying to reach as many people as possible with our message of privacy and you are absolutely important and integral on that so thank you again for listening and we will see you next week we're moving we'll back to our usual format for probably quite a while